It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Good morning. Happy Monday to you. Great to be back with you. Great to be anywhere (laughs) after some of the travel issues I encountered on my trip this past weekend, which I will tell you all about. But uh, of course, we are starting a brand new week here on the program, the final week of the month of August, which for many of us is the final week of summer. I know technically summer still has a few more weeks on the calendar. But in terms of the spirit of summer, September 1st, or at least post-Labor Day, usually signals the beginning of fall, and I, it can't come fast enough for me. Really, this is perfect, perfect weather. Well, not today. It's a little overcast, but the perfect temperature. Um, I was actually out in Michigan, as you know, and last year when I was out there, same weekend, you know, last weekend, second, third Last weekend of August, I forget, but the same weekend because my Facebook memories all came up. Uh, But the weather was really warm out there last year at this time. And this weekend, I walked out of the Kuwaitan Casino in shorts and I said, oh, wish I'd brought pants with me. It's like 60 degrees out here. Beautiful. But uh, uh, it was not an easy trip getting there. So as you know, uh, Thursday afternoon, I left. I came in, I did the show, I stayed for a couple of hours doing some other things, and then I went home. Uh, I had already packed up one of the few times that I've actually packed ahead of time, and not right before I'm out the door, but I'd already kind of packed up. I threw some more things together. Last year, I went and I took two suitcases one suitcase with my clothes, the other suitcase with all the things that I put on my table at the, the Michigan Paranormal Convention. And I said, you know what, this year I'm not going not gonna, to not gonna do that. I'm not going to cart two suitcases around and check a suitcase and my bag that has my, you know, my uh, collapsible vinyl banner in it. Nope, nope, nope. going to shove everything into one suitcase. And I pulled it off. But luckily for me, I didn't buy anything or else I would have been screwed. And so I get to the airport. Plenty of time. My flight is at 4.51. My parking reservation starts at 3 p.m. in the economy garage. So I pulled right in. It was actually 2.48 that I pulled in, and they let me go in early. It didn't charge me any extra. Went in, parked, got the shuttle right away, was in the terminal plenty of time. And I flew from Boston to Detroit, zero issues. When I got into Detroit, I had a two... Well, actually, I shouldn't say zero issues. The plane was a little bit late, but I had a two-hour delay, so it wasn't wasn't a big deal. And the plane was late because I guess this one was coming from Detroit already, and they had had some flooding out there at the airport because of bad weather. So we were just a little bit delayed, no problem. 
I got there plenty, still plenty of time, got off the plane, and in Detroit, I don't know if you've ever been through that airport, they have this big tunnel that's all these cool lights and sounds and everything. So when you're going under this underground tunnel, you get like this uh, immersive sensory experience. Always cool to go through that. So I go through the tunnel, get over to the other terminal. And when I get there, first of all, all the other folks that are coming to the paranormal convention are there because there's only one flight. Well, there's two flights that go to Sault Ste. Marie, where the Kuwait Casino is, where this event is held. One comes from Detroit. One comes from Minneapolis. They're both Delta. Delta is the only airline that services the Sioux City, the Sault Ste. Marie uh, Municipal Airport. So a bunch of the other speakers are there. And not, you know, this, this convention is huge. They have lots of speakers. But to still have a dozen of your speakers at one time is, is a pretty significant amount of people that you plan on having there. Not to mention, this is 9 p.m. on Thursday night, and I'm scheduled to speak. Hold on. Pardon me. Oh, pardon me there. I had to sneeze. So this is 9 p.m. at night on Thursday. I'm scheduled to speak on stage in front of people Friday morning at 9 a.m. Got my presentation ready. Got it down. I'm super excited about this, bringing the Bridgewater Triangle to Michigan. And... I pull, I walk up to the uh, gate, start talking to my friends, and then I hear people groan. I turn around and I look. They delayed our flight. Okay, well, so I'm going to get a few hours less sleep. Then they put the delay time up. Because they only run a couple of planes a day back and forth from the Sioux to Detroit, we were postponed from a 10, what was it, 10, 15, it was supposed to originally leave. Postponed from 10.15, no, 9.15. We were postponed from 9.15 p.m. to 8.45 the next morning. I don't think I'm going to get on stage at 9 a.m. What are we supposed to do? What are we going to do? We don't know. And, of course, the personnel for the airline scattered once that announcement was made. One of them eventually came back and admitted to us she went and she hid until she thought that we were going to be you know, calm down about it. One person said, well, you know what? He'd already had travel issues. He wasn't able to leave from Providence. He had to reroute. So he said, I'm just going to rent a van and I'm going to drive. Anybody that wants to go with me can go with me. The rest of us were like, well, we don't, we don't know what to do here. Like, what's going on? We can't get a hotel room. He got the last rental car. What, we, what do we do? I guess we're just going to sleep in the airport and we're going to be late. And I had to text the organizers of the convention and say, hey, I'm, I'm not going to be there for my lecture. I'm sorry, but I, I can't help it. And the organizers of the convention, you know, they were like, anything that you guys need to do, just save the receipts. We'll pay for it. If you want to go home, if you'd rather just turn around and go home and not deal with the travel issues, you can do that too. We'll still pay you for, for your appearance at the event. Like they were being super understanding about everything, but, you know, it just kind of sucked. So we decided while Dustin was going to take the van with some people 
including Ozzy Osbourne's son, Jack. Because he was one of the special guests this weekend. So they, they all, uh, some of them all pile into that van. The rest of us decide we're just going to sleep at the gate. And it'll be fun. It'll be a little camp out. Some guys went over and got some wheelchairs that they have around there and like use those to create like a little cot to sleep in so they could sit on the, the chair and then put the, their feet in the wheelchair. And as we're sitting there kind of getting comfortable and I was plugging in all my devices and all that, an airport worker comes over and says, we need you all to leave. And we said, well, we, got, we have nowhere to go. This is, we live here tonight. We're not going anywhere. He's like, no, no, you don't have to leave the airport, but you have to leave the terminal. Because we're, at this point, we're all getting tornado warnings on our phones. We're like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's why you want us to leave. So they had us all evacuate the terminal and that, that tunnel, that underground tunnel with all the lights and sounds. They shoved everybody that was left in the airport into that tunnel or you had to go into a bathroom. So we all were down there until we got the all clear for the tornado. And then we were able to go back to the terminals. My friend Jeff and I decided we were going to go to this other terminal, which was below this one because it was quiet. Nobody, it's like its own separate little area. Nobody was down there. And so we went down there and talked for a little while and then laid down to go to sleep on the airport floor. And all I know is I woke up. At one point, it was like three in the morning. I woke up quite a bit. You know, you can't really sleep in a situation like that. You were off and on. But I got a couple hours straight in at one point. And I woke up around 3 a.m. And I was freezing. I don't know if it was because the air conditioning was still on, but there was no people in the airport, so it made it colder. Or if somebody had a door open or something, but it was freezing. And I, of course, am traveling in a t-shirt and shorts. And so I'm just kind of laying there shivering and then I fell back asleep and then I woke up later to this, this just this vision of a woman in a Delta uniform, which, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning, I was surprised that there would be somebody there in uniform. But this, this woman standing over me and laying a blanket over me, literally tucking me in. And I just looked up at her and said, Oh, you're amazing. And I fell back asleep. <laughs> and then I slept for like another hour or so and woke up and we, you know, we started our day. Eventually we got to the hotel. I had a chance to just go to my room, take a quick shower because, you know, I slept on the floor of an airport and then go down and be part of the convention for two days. So I'm, I'm operating on very limited sleep. I had to, the after party for the convention on Saturday you know, goes pretty late. I tapped out at one o'clock, went back to my room, fell asleep for a few hours and had to get up at 4 a.m. to catch a 7 a.m. flight out of Sault Ste. Marie. So I'm, I'm operating on very limited sleep, but I'm pretty sure I can get through the next three hours. But that was just, you know, some of the harrowing experience that I had getting to the, to the Sioux over the weekend. But it was even worse for my friends, Tim Shaw and, and John Zaffis, who if you know anything about the paranormal world, you know those names. They actually got to the Detroit airport at 8 a.m. Thursday morning. And they were supposed to be on that 9.15 flight with me. 
So they spent over 24 hours sitting in the Detroit airport. It's like that's like that Tom Hanks movie where the guy lives at the airport. You you guys are the terminal. But it was a great event, great time, always fun. They were able to reschedule all of the speakers that didn't make it on time because not only did I not make it on time, but the people that were after me directly were traveling from Massachusetts as well. Or Rhode Island. I think they were flying out of Providence. But still, they didn't make it either on that flight to the Sioux. So everybody that missed got rescheduled, except for me. In fact, the sign outside of the theater at the Kuwait Casino said, Weisberg is the only one <laughs> that doesn't have a speaker spot right now. But the good news is, the organizer came up to me and said, well, you know, we're just going to have to have you come back next year and, and do it then, so... I already know that I'll be part of the 14th annual Michigan Paracon next August. So thank you to everybody for uh, listening as I went through the therapy of my traveling trauma experience. And, uh, and thank you to Jack Spillane, who filled in for me on Friday. We will talk with Jack later on this morning, and I'll, I'll thank him in person. But uh, I didn't get a chance to hear his show, but I read his column at newbedfordlight.org about the way that the students found out about what was going on with the Star Store situation. And that is especially egregious in my mind that they were essentially telling these kids everything's fine. Don't listen to the rumors when the rumors were actually the truth. And, of course... You know, Jack writes about it, but the answers aren't there yet as to why they felt justified in doing that. Why they felt justified in telling these kids everything was going to be fine if the school had no intention of being in that building. The school had to have known that the funding was taken out of the budget. The school had to have known that they weren't buying the building, the Commonwealth wasn't buying the building for a dollar. They knew all of the aspects of this. And yet still tried to proceed as if everything was fine. And I don't know what the paperwork says when you sign on to become a, a, an art student at UMass Dartmouth. I don't know what you are agreeing to when you pay the tuition. So legally, this might not be a case of fraud. But morally, it sounds to me like UMass Dartmouth defrauded these students. It sounded to me like they knew that they had no intention of being in that building for the fall semester and did not relay that to the students. In fact, actively campaigned against what they might be hearing to get them to pay their tuition and come back for that semester or, or start. Whatever, you know, whether they were coming in as freshmen or continuing their education, they, they basically lied to them to get their money. That's the way that it sounds like to me. Now, again, this seems to be from Jack's column, and he even says this is what the students are telling him. And we'll talk more about it with him later on. But if, if you defrauded those students... I know, listen, I, I know that 
the whole college loan forgiveness idea rubs a lot of people the wrong way. And you know what? I'm not even 100% for it. I don't think, you know, we should be amassing these huge college debts anyway. That whole system is broken. But I'm also, you know, I don't, I don't think you can just go out and forgive everybody's student loans. And if you do forgive people who have student loans now, what do you do for the people who responsibly paid off their student loans but struggled to do so? You know, like, so I, I get it. I'm not a huge fan. Uh, something has to be done about the amount of debt that people are incurring getting these degrees and then not being able to actually make any money with them afterwards. But that's a, a, a broken system that won't be fixed by putting that Band-Aid on it. However, I think that if you told these kids they were going to have access to the Star Store campus and its, and its equipment and its materials, and you knew that you weren't going to be able to give them that access, but you took their money anyway, you owe them something back. You know, I'm not saying you've got to give them a, a free ride for this year, but maybe maybe you give them a discount. Maybe you give them a voucher for books. But you, you owe them something for defrauding them, for telling them, oh, don't... And again, this is according to the students. We haven't heard what UMass Dartmouth told them yet. So we'll talk about that with Jack Splain a little bit later on. And, of course, we'll take your phone calls at 508-996-0500. We will also take your app chat messages on the WBSM app and your open line voicemails on the WBSM app. Uh, thank you, too, as well for, to Casey for handling our John Oliver contest while I was gone. We were able to give away some tickets for folks to go out and see John Oliver this evening at the MGM Music Hall at Fenway. Thanks to our friends at Live Nation. I believe there might be a few tickets left available for sale. I was looking on it last night. I was talking about it with my dad. I went right from the airport to a family party. My sister and brother-in-law had their 20th wedding anniversary and renewed their vows. And I was talking with him about the show, and I just happened to look it up, and it's, they said there were still some limited seats available. So if you didn't get a chance to, to win tickets and you want to go to the show, livenation.com, you should be able to get some tickets for tonight. But congratulations to those of you who did win. And we will, of course, be giving away more tickets coming up in the future. Also, I'm very excited about a big contest that we will be doing in the coming weeks. I can't say anything more about it right now. But we have something that's going to be a lot of fun and might give you the chance to win a lot of money. So stay tuned for all the information about that uh, within the next two weeks. Again, 508-996-0500. Right now, I've got to take my first break of the morning. We'll be back in just a few moments. <sighs> and you know the preseason is now over. That means it's time for the Patriots to get ready for the games that actually count. Making a trade over the weekend. Uh, trading running back Pierre Strong for offensive lineman Tyrone Wheatley Jr. So it should be uh, a little bit of a shore up there where the offensive line has had some struggles, but they've still got some time to get ready for the Philadelphia Eagles in their season opener coming up on Sunday, September 10th. We're going to have all the action for the Patriots season right here on WBSM. A kickoff for that game is at 425 with pregame here on WBSM beginning at 125 on Sunday, September 10th. And of course, all the New England Patriots games all season long right here on WBSM are brought to you by Shooting Supply 
and Primacare. So remember, every time the Patriots are playing, if you want to hear the game here on the radio, you can do so. We'll have other programming on the stream, but the games will be right here on 1420 AM and 99.5 FM. In addition to Patriots coverage, too, we'll have all your Monday night and Thursday night football games throughout the course of the season. Right now, though, it is time to go into the newsroom with Adam Bass. Tropical storm Idalia is heading towards Florida. The National Hurricane Center said it could be here as soon as Wednesday when it's expected to reach the Gulf Coast. By that point, Idalia could be near or at major hurricane intensity. A tropical storm warning has been issued for the dry Tortugas. Other parts of the state are under a storm surge watch, a hurricane watch, and a tropical storm watch. The judge overseeing former President Trump's federal election case is expected to set a trial date later on today. Trump's legal team has requested to postpone the trial until 2026 due to the amount of evidence his lawyers have not have to sort through. The Justice Department has pushed back on that request, arguing it would, quote, deny the public its right to a speedy trial. Special Counsel Jack Smith's office is pushing for a January 2024 start date. President Biden says he and his wife Jill are grieving with the people of Jacksonville, Florida. In a statement from the White House, Biden expressed condolences over Saturday's racist shooting that claimed the lives of three black people in a Jacksonville store. The president said white supremacy has no place in America and the U.S. cannot be a country where black families, quote, live in fear of being gunned down because of the color of their skin. Russia is confirming the death of the longtime leader of the Wagner mercenary group in a plane crash last week. Scott Carr has more on Sunday's official statement. Members of a Russian investigative committee claim mercenary leader Yevgeny Prigozhin, who led a short-lived armed rebellion against Russia's military, was killed in a plane crash last Wednesday. Members of the committee claim forensic and genetic tests identified all 10 bodies recovered at the site of the crash and that the findings conform to the manifest of the plane. All seven passengers and three crew died when the plane crashed halfway between Moscow and St. Petersburg, Prigozhin's hometown. The Russian statement said nothing about what caused the crash. I'm Scott Carr. A former Navy SEAL who claimed he killed Osama bin Laden is out on bail after his arrest last week for assault and public intoxication. Frisco police arrested 47-year-old Robert O'Neill last Wednesday and he was released on the bond of the same day. O'Neill claims he fired the shots that killed bin Laden in 2011, but the U.S. government hasn't verified his claims. No further details about his arrest have been disclosed. And Simone Biles now holds a record for the most titles won by an American gymnast. With her victory Sunday at the 2023 U.S. Gymnastics Championships in San Jose, California, Biles broke a tie with Alfred Joachim, who who competed eight decades ago. Biles still hasn't said if she aims to compete in the 2024 United States Olympics team. In sports, the Boston Red Sox wrapped up their series with the Dodgers with a loss yesterday. The score was 7-4. The Sox will stay at Fenway today as they begin a series against the Houston Astros. First pitch tonight is at 7.10 p.m. And now here's your ABC6 local weather forecast.
Expect a mixture of sun and clouds throughout the day today. We'll be reaching a high near 75 degrees overnight tonight, mostly cloudy, low of 63. And for Tuesday, we have the rain moving in. That's going to be with us for much of the day, high near 72. From the ABC 6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. It is currently 64 degrees right now in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM. And get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Think of it as breakfast for your mind. Back to the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. South Coast Groove, back after my trip to Michigan, and uh, got a couple of uh, app chat messages here, which you can send to us on the WBSM app. Uh, Not Bad in Oak Bluff says, good morning, Tim. Given the travel experience you just encountered, would you consider adding a day for travel at each end of your engagement next year? So for this event, I'm actually at the mercy of the organizers. They're the ones that put, I shouldn't say put it that way. I mean, they're the ones that make all the travel arrangements, which they do for they, I'm not kidding. They have dozens and dozens of celebrity, quote unquote, celebrity guests at this convention. So they've they've got a lot to handle. And I would assume, too, I mean, they would never say this, but I would assume that I'm kind of at the bottom of the priority list in terms of getting speakers there. So I just take the dates that they give me. They just say, hey, what airport is more convenient for you? And I tell them, you know, I live equidistant from Providence or Boston. Doesn't matter to me which one, whichever one works better for you. Uh, Again, they make all of their arrangements through Delta because that's how you have to get to Sault Ste. Marie. And I would assume that they, I would hope that they get some kind of a discount considering all the people they've flown in over the past 13 years. So I just go when they tell me to go. Uh, Sometime in July or maybe it was late June, Brad, one of the organizers, sent me an email. He's like, here's your itinerary. Here's all your flights and everything. And then I just go when they tell me to go. So I will do the same. Although Brad did say it probably wasn't a good idea to have you come in on a late flight and then be the first speaker the next day. I was like, I would have been up and ready. I mean, it wouldn't have been a problem for me except for the travel problems. And as he said, he goes, you know, in all the years that we've been doing this and it's it, the weather can be difficult in the upper peninsula of, of Michigan. But he said, uh, all the years we've been doing this, it's the first time that all that's, uh, that's ever happened that we've had people stranded for that long. Usually it's like a delay of an hour or two. Last year we were delayed because they had a problem with the plane. 
the plane couldn't take on a certain amount of weight because there was something wrong with the plane and they were trying to pay people to not go on the flight. Uh, also, really quickly, uh, good morning, Tim. This is from Skeddy. Good morning, Tim. Very nice to hear your voice. Didn't think you'd be in today. Wow, you went through a lot there. So what was your favorite sandwich while you were there? Well, so I, I had, I didn't have any sandwiches. Well, I did have a sandwich. I had a wrap one day. Um, but what I like to eat when I go out there is they have great whitefish from the river and walleye. And I didn't really eat a lot. I took my shot Friday night, so I definitely didn't really have much of an appetite. Uh, but we went Saturday to a Greek restaurant in town for lunch, and I had a great souvlaki plate, Greek salad, some chicken souvlaki, and then um, I had a walleye basket from the from the casino at one point. And I think that's really that's really all that I ate that and the, the wrap sandwich that I had, which I didn't finish. I left half of it on the table in the room. I meant to bring it with me so I could like eat it on the shuttle to the airport, but I missed the shuttle yesterday morning by two minutes at 5.30 in the morning that goes from the casino to the airport and it's a half an hour ride and so it's 5.30 and my flight was boarding at 6.53 for a 7.18 takeoff and I'm like, I think the shuttle's going to make it back in time. I hope the shuttle's going to make it back in time and it just so happened one of the cast members from Ghost Brothers also missed the shuttle and he's like, I'm just going to get a cab. Do you want to just share a cab? I was like, I didn't know that they had cabs way out here in the middle of nowhere. Because they didn't have Uber. They didn't have Lyft. I tried. So, thankfully, we got there uh, just in time. 508-996-0500. By the way, Jeff, I see your app chat question. I'm just going to save that because I've got to get a little bit deeper with that. And right now, we've got some calls in the line. So, let's take those. Good morning. You were on WBSM. Good morning. Morning. How you doing? Uh, you know what? You know what makes me absolutely sick to my stomach. What's that? Is that we have a president, okay, in this country, that'll come out less than twenty-four hours to make a public statement about a few African Americans that got killed by white supremacists. But we have an island that burnt to the ground, and it took him five days to publicly make a statement. Five days. To make a to make a statement, you realize that? Well, let me let me give you the chance to 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 explain yourself a little bit here. You're upset about the fact that he took five days. You don't want people to misconstrue that as you're upset that he oh, came out no, and talked I'm, about African Americans being Ab killed. Absolutely, I'm a uh, no. So why that that sounded like I was uh, you you don't know how people African you don't know how people are going to take it. So I just want you to no. be able to so. So I'm I'm upset that the fact that he he took five days to publicly make a statement about. Hundreds of people getting killed, but it came out over the over the weekend. Uh, I don't know if it was one or two people that killed all those African Americans, which is a hor it's horrible, it's a horrible crime. It, it's a hate crime, okay? But it took him less than twenty four hours to make a public statement because it fits his agenda. Okay, he wants to secure an act for African American vote. So what he's doing is he's sympathizing. With the people that got killed. Okay, so you, you, you really you, you think that the reason why he came out and made a statement about that was just so that black people would vote for well, him I'm in 2024? To, I'm, try, I'm trying to wrap. Oh, absolutely. If it's his agenda. But I'm trying to wrap my head around it. It's like, okay, you have hundreds of Hawaiians that lost their lives, okay, through a tragic fire. But it took you two. It took you five days, a full work week for some people. Okay. Imagine that people. 40, 40 plus hours. 
of your work of, of a work week. Compare it to a work week, okay? You know how long a work week can seem, right? At, at some, you know, sometimes it's like, wow, yeah, this, this week's dragging by. But, but yet, but yet it takes it takes him less than twenty four hours, okay, to come out and publicly say he's grieving with the families of this and that. And it's like, okay, well, how come it took you five days to to come out and and, and uh, you know make a statement about that about the stuff that happened in Hawaii? Do you, like, why do, did it do you, take you less than twenty four hours to like it took you? Did a lack of coming out and saying anything about the wildfires mean that more wildfires decided to start going off around the country and killing no, more people? No. Because well, that's what might have happened if he didn't no. say anything about what happened in Florida. No, absolutely not. Uh, no. That, that's, that's, that's completely false. How can you make that statement? No, because that's the reason why you have to come out and to say, say something right away is because you want to. you have to make sure that you are putting something out there so that people don't feel like, oh, my God, things are going to kind of go crazy here now. You're out there to console people about what's going on, about something that they feel this could be happening now in my neighborhood. This could be happening in my city if if this doesn't go unchecked. So you have to come out and make a statement. So the, so Great, I'm not, I'm not saying you couldn't have said something sooner about no, the fires. I, I'm just saying they're not an equivalent situation. So the, so the hundreds of families, okay, more than that, of, of, of people, of families that lost their wives, their kids, their husbands. Who got aid, who wanna, got assistance from console, the local authorities. You don't want to hear nothing from the president about consoling them people, right? Those people. But, you don't, you, but I want to hear a statement 24 hours in a, you know, after a, a tragic incident. Of, no, of, you, of, of here, here's crime. the thing. You don't want to hear either one. Because if you heard either one, if he came out right away and said something no. about the fires, you wouldn't have anything to criticize him about. No, absolutely not. If he came out, no, Tim, that's ridiculous. You're not really, I, I first of all, you're not offended give, about it. You're just pretending to be offended about it because you don't like no, the guy. Absolutely not. But how can you, how can you pretend to be offended by something like that? that I don't know. It sounds that, to me like you're doing it. Oh, oh yeah. Because anybody that knows me is, is going gonna, is gonna to say that I was pretending to well, be Well, I didn't hear you call up every single day after the fires happened and said, when is he going to say something about it? No, because I... Oh, no, because you didn't care then. You didn't care now because now you have up, something to throw I, him under the bus for. Uh, I called up and said, well, I said, did you hear about that? No comment uh, uh, to Marcus and Chris on their show. You know, oh, how he was sitting on the beach one day and he said, the guy, guy walked by him and said, hey, what are you gonna, when are you going to comment on the fires? No comment. I mean, I, you know, or how about if, if, if this happened, right? And, uh, you know, somebody threw out, he was walking, he was, he was sitting on his beach with his, you know, his three quarters of the time he was in the in the in office, he's been on vacation. You, you know what? You just you got to pick your battles a little better, John. You oh, got to pick your battles bat- a little hey, better Jim, to, to, to insult the guy. I mean, come on, you're gonna you're gonna tell me that you're really siding with this guy right now? I'm, I said to you already. I said he should have said something sooner about the fires, but I'm not going to condemn him because he came out and said something right away about a guy who killed black people with a swastika drawn on his gun. And what is clearly a racially motivated crime, and because the president said something, I'm, I'm supposed to condemn him for that. Oh, whoa, you didn't say anything sooner of, about the fires. The ti- it's the timing because, of Because Joe Biden doesn't okay. care about people in Hawaii, right? He doesn't care uh, that people in Hawaii if it, died if it in took fires. Him five days to realize that what was going on in Hawaii, I mean, that, that's, that's ridiculous in my book. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's, let's just, hey, let's just play. What did Donald Trump say when people were killed in Charlottesville? Donald Trump. Donald Trump, okay, condemned every act of violence 
Oh, okay. very fine he people on, on both sides. TV. Very fine on people on both sides. He called the Listen, people in Charlottesville very fine people. Tim, he was on national TV. He sided with white supremacists. Giving public statements about anything that was going on. We can't even get this guy to come out of his... Gate. Your revisionist okay. history is ridiculous, John. It is not. It is not. It's it not. is. It is. It is uh, because I why you don't remember him. You don't remember him coming out on public national TV every day. I remember turning on the news and every other day it was it was him uh, on a press conference saying stupid things. Yeah, that? yeah, I remember him no, saying, stupid saying stupid things. Stupid yep, things. I remember all those stupid, stupid things he said. Yep, he's not. He, he's not. He, no, no, no. All right. Well, we're gonna. Uh, I guess we're gonna agree to disagree. Today I think again. we will have to today. I hope we we come to an agreement sooner or later here yeah, because oh, we agree on a lot of things. <laughs> I know <laughs> we don't have I'm to agree saying, on everything. I'm just saying, I, I you know, I, I don't, I don't agree with your, your 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 logic on this with the whole, you know, you're backing him. This you're backing. This well, I don't, I don't know. I don't agree with waiting until he does something that you don't like to say. Oh, well, well he didn't do this. Well, I mean, he does. I I do like the guy when he makes a lot of gaffes and he falls off bikes and falls. All right, off, all right, that's enough. Know. That's enough. I know, I know. All right, that's all right, enough. All right, I got other calls. Right, talk here. to you later. Have a good yeah. day. All right, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. What's going on, Tim? How are you doing? Good. How are you? Not bad. I'll have to, I'm going to have to agree with the uh, previous caller mm-hmm. on this one. Just because, and it's not whether or not I like Joe Biden. It's <clears throat> it's the timing. He immediate by, and, and this isn't even the reason why I called him. Now he's making me talk about this. So jumping on what he was saying was, it took him less than 24 hours, to, and it's, to talk about uh, gun violence, and that's specifically because it fits an agenda that we have to talk about whenever there's a, a mass shooting, which we should. Why didn't he? The, the thing is, is why didn't he talk about it? <clears throat> the wildfires in Hawaii first. Right, and I'm not denying that he should have said something about that much sooner. You should have said something on the day that it happened. But, yeah. you know, the first the first day that it happened. But that exactly. doesn't it, it doesn't make that an equivalent situation to say that somebody taking a gun and going out and intentionally killing people is yeah. less severe of a situation than people being killed no, in a wildfire. No, 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 it's not. No, they're both equivalently uh, violent. One is an act of uh, hate violence and one is a natural occurrence, uh, natural wildfires or whatever. Um, but other my, other my, black my people in the thing. country are not sitting around worried about whether or not they'll be or other Hawaiian people say living in America aren't saying, gee, I wonder if wildfires are going to come and get me. But other black citizens are wondering, gee, I wonder if other racist people will be inspired by this horrible thing and yeah. come and kill me. And you need those oh. words of consolation. Correct. No, I agree. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying he shouldn't have done it within 24 hours for the for the Jacksonville issue. I'm saying he should have done it within 24 hours for the wildfires. Be like, listen. I hear you. I, we're going to do everything we can immediately to get you uh, restitution to, to try and, and get and, you back up on your feet. And which, so by the way, hours, by the way, don't we just naturally expect that to happen from a president? Like, don't we expect within hours of something like like the yeah. wildfires happening that you would hear from him? Yeah. I mean, we expect it with, with uh, hurricanes. We expect it with earthquakes. We expect it with wildfire, whatever. But the, the, the original reason why I came, I was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set Tim, uh, Tim's show on fire this morning. So, uh I was. I saw something on online. I saw a reel, and a guy was talking about how everybody focuses on the president. And what we need to remember, and what we tend to forget, is is the people who make the laws in this country is not the president. He just agrees or disagrees with the law, and he signs off on them or he vetoes them. So what we forget 
is the congressmen are the ones, the, the people who we don't even know exist most of the time and who are up for re-election every two years. Those are the people who make the laws and confirm justices and, judge, and judges that run this entire country. And this goes from the from the executive level at the as a governor to your state legislator or your president to the Congress. We consistently forget about congressmen and vote them in or vote them out. We never get involved. And those are the people who actually create the tax laws, the regulations, and everything that affect our daily lives. And the people out there, and this is, goes to the local level, where you have the mayor and the city council. The people at the local level forget about their city councilors. They just always focus on the mayor. What we and in in regards to that, they always try and bring up term limits. Term limits are for lazy people who don't want to actually get out and vote and vote your city councilors out. If you're for term limits, you're lazy. Well, I mean, get I, out and vote these guys out because they have a, they have a term limit. Then they already have term limits, and it's called every two years you can vote them. Out. I don't know that that's necessarily a fair characterization because I think a lot of the folks who are for the term limits, at least you know here in New Bedford, I bet a lot of them vote. I bet a lot of them pay attention. Right. I think it's more it's more them just trying to come up with a solution for the apathy that other people have that don't come out and vote. Right. I think the people that that want to see the term limits are the people that are civically engaged. They're Correct. just trying no, to, I, to I course correct for the people that won't take part. Yes, I, I agree with you, Tim. The, the people who are because nobody else knows how to even start a petition. Like, if you ask any, any Joe Schmo on the street, they don't know how to start a petition and get anything going. But the people who always, and, and these are just general, the general population say, yeah, we should have term limits. No. No. Get out. Get off your ass and go and vote. And that's basically it. Get, stop being lazy. Pay attention to the issues. And show up on one day every two years, every 700 days. Get out and vote. And, and take five minutes out of your day to vote. But yet you don't. So the easy way out is a term limit. And the term limits are, are you know, you, you can, I don't know what the exact stipulations are in regards to the specific term limits in the Bethard that they're proposing, but you could go eight years. It could be like four, ter uh, four terms or it could be three terms, you know, every six years. When in reality, if you just got out and voted, you could give a term limit to a city council that really sucks, two-year term limit, and never hear from them again. Mm-hmm. So the so term limits, those are for lazy people. You know, get rid of the term limits. Stop talking about term limits. Just show up and vote and support your candidate and vote out the ones that you don't like. Stop talking about the executive. Remember who actually makes the laws, the ordinances in the city. The, the mayor doesn't really do anything. He can he can kind of shift the conversation, but he can't create ordinances. That's the city council. The same thing with the state legislators and the same thing with Congress. Those are the people who make the laws that you don't like. Those are the ones that you have to vote out. You can't just focus. Everybody focuses on, on the big star, uh, the, the president or the, the governor or the mayor. The executives really don't matter. Well, I, I don't. I don't want to go down too far down this path because I got to take a break here. But the other part of that that has come in, you know, in the last 15, 20 years, is the the high use of executive order has kind of changed that a little bit too. Well, you know who gave them that power? Right. The high use of executive power was given to them by the guys who you don't vote out. Right. The Congress. They they relinquish that, especially War Powers Act. Right. The Congress doesn't want to touch. You know, going to war or not going to war because. Then, if a body bag comes back home, 
it's your hands that have the blood on there. You can't just look at the president and say, look, at, look, he went into he went into Syria, he went into Libya, and, and look, now now we have our our boys that are coming home in body bags, right, with with a flag draped over their car. It's his fault. But if they actually took responsibility as a congressman and actually exercised their 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 constitutional duty to have to create war or not create war, but authorize war rather than just say give it to the president because I don't want to have to deal with it, deal with my uh, my constituents, get the blood off of my hands. You know, mm-hmm. they're yeah. the ones who gave it to him. So if you don't like what that is in, in regards to the war powers, I more executive power. Blame the congressman again. They're the ones who don't want to do it. So vote them out. Vote them all out. I don't care. Great points. Got it, Tim. Have a good day. And uh, we do have to take that break. When we come back on the other side, we can talk more with you. And, of course, we'll talk with you all through the next hour. In the 8 o'clock hour, we'll be joined by Jack Spillane to turn on the light. And we'll talk more about his piece about the Star Store students and more about the uh, conversations that he's had with them. Uh, You heard some of them on the air on Friday, but I know that this is something that, that Jack has been diving deeply into it's something that he's and you know in addition to being a journalist who's doing his job he's also personally very passionate about it so as you heard you know last week when we got into it about whether or not there needs to be an art school downtown so uh as you heard the passion in his voice then so you'll hear it again today when we talk to him about it coming up in the eight o'clock hour we'll be back after a few moments um 